1: or go to anchor.fm to get started. On this week's episode
0: in Her Space. It seems as though sometimes, in my experience, Black men are not accepted unless they are they show up in a certain way. So unless they're either uh, gentle or more feminine or things like that. And so for that that example, that was kind of something that stood out to me.
1: And so Janina, if you could kind of uh, chime in on that piece and where where that may have been offensive why that may be been offensive and what are some ways in which to better address that
2: yeah so i think for me the issue lied in kind of the underlying message behind what was said and i think there was also something you said something about like a lifestyle lifestyle is like such a triggering word for black queer people welcome to her
1: space a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you We're your hosts, hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist,
0: and Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be.
1: Quote of the day. And actually, today we have two quotes because the conversation we're diving into today needed both of these quotes to really communicate what we're trying to say. So the first quote: when we face pain in relationships, our first response is often to sever bonds rather than to maintain commitment. And then the second quote: For me, forgiveness and compassion are always linked. How do we hold people accountable for wrongdoing and yet at the same time remain in touch with their humanity enough to believe in their capacity to be transformed? Both of those quotes are by Bell Hooks.
0: All right. So in our last episode, Dom and I had a chance to interview a special guest, Dr. Janina Garrett-Walker. And we had an insightful conversation about being Black and queer and how we can build a bridge between Black heterosexual women and Black queer women. The interview went well, but during the last 13 minutes of the show, it was brought to me and Dom's attention that there were a few statements that I made that were deemed problematic. So, Dom and I wanted to invite Janina back on the show to model a healthy dialogue that will hopefully empower you to have your own healing conversations, despite how uncomfortable or passionate they might be. And so, Janina, we want to welcome you back to the show.
2: Thank you. Thank you for
0: having me. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. And again, I just want to thank you, Janina, for bringing your concern to our attention because I think that sometimes we live in a world where some people do, as the quote said, sever bonds more often than we hold space for conversation and learning. And today I'm coming from a place of humility and also eagerness, with an eagerness to learn. And I appreciate the opportunity for us to be able to showcase this on our platform, how we can have conversations as Black people, even when someone messes up or people disagree, like it's possible for us to do this. And so that's our goal today is just to model this behavior and have a really good conversation about last episode. So if you did not catch the last episode, you need to catch that so that you can have more context for our conversation today.
1: And so Terry, do you want to kind of recap um, some of the
0: moments that you recall from those 13 minutes? For sure. So I would say there were a few things, maybe like three things that stood out to me. And so one of I'll give you like a little time stamp uh, so in the last episode, I think it was around like the 45 minute mark or so. What I was saying is that, or what I tried to say was that sometimes it, it it appears as though there is not representation across the board for Black people. And sometimes it feels as though there is the LGBT identity is being promoted more heavily than just being like Black in any other way. And so that was something that came across as um, offensive. But I think it was a statement that I made. In that sort of narrative, and I think it may have been, I think it was "gay is the way," and that was something that I did not realize had such a heavy and negative connotation. And so, I would say that one thing that I learned from that is, and I love to like dive into that and why is this, why is this problematic and things like that. But one thing that I noticed is that sometimes we say something with the intent being pure or we believe that we're being, you know, expressing ourselves or it's positive or we're communicating in a way where we're just trying to share our opinion. But at the same time, that doesn't necessarily equal impact. And so you could say, yeah, I meant to say it this way, but it can impact someone totally different. And I think we have to be aware of that when communicating that it doesn't always land the way that we anticipated.
1: And so Janina, if you could kind of uh, chime in on that piece and where, 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 that may have been offensive why that may be been offensive and what are some ways in which to better address that
2: yeah so i think for me the issue lied in kind of the underlying message behind what was said this idea that um i think terry what you said was something along the lines of like lgbtq initiatives are being pushed on black men and then there was um or like LGBTQ identities are being pushed on us with some of the language that was used, and that's actually not accurate. When you look at at media representation, the amount of queer representation is still fairly no low. low, sorry. Um, and it is yes higher than it was in the past. You know, back in the day, all we had was the super stereotypical imagery of men on film, which was so problematic. You know, from um, in *Living Color*. And so that at one point, that was the only representation we saw of kind of Black, quote-unquote, gay men, even though those men were not gay. And um, now we do see gay characters on TV, but the proportion of gay characters, even within like Black television, is so low in comparison to cisgender and heterosexual Black men. And so that's where I, I had the biggest issues, because it's not true that, You know, this, quote unquote, gay identity is being, quote unquote, pushed on anyone. Uh, Because when you really think about it, the amount of black gay characters is actually really low. Or the amount of black um, kind of queer anything is relatively low in comparison to, to heterosexual kind of characters and plots and all of that. And yeah, so I don't know, that would kind of be my my thought on the media piece. And I think there was also something, you said something about like a lifestyle. Lifestyle is like such a triggering word for Black queer people. Mm-hmm. I was having a conversation with, um, with a friend of mine, and I had never really thought of it this way, but she said lifestyle is just coded Black homophobia, right? Because people try mm-hmm. to say that Black queer people are different by using lifestyle, when it's like, my lifestyle is the same as yours. I'm trying to pay my bills. (laughs) I'm trying to love my family. I'm trying to go to work, right? Like the lifestyle is not different. We live the exact same lifestyle. It's just who we love might look different, but everyone who everyone loves looks different. None of us are really loving on the same person unless we're in a polyamorous relationship or something. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so the the lifestyle and that media piece that would kind of be my, my response to that. Okay. And
1: so, Let's move on to the next thing that Terry found.
0: All right. So the next thing is actually something that I caught when we when I was editing, and I was like, hmm. I wonder if I can edit this out because I realized the mistake as soon as I re listened to the episode. And in the in the moment, I had no idea. But re listening, I was like, oh man, how can I edit this part out? And so what happened in the last episode, I was. Telling a story and I was telling a story about a student that I met who used the pronouns they, them, there, and I misgendered the student by referring to them as she in the story that I told. And so for some folks, I realized this can probably be very confusing as they are learning and also be might it might be offensive for some folks as well. Although it didn't come, it wasn't intentional, it was definitely a mistake on my end um, and misgendering. And so although I didn't do that in person and telling the story, I did, and I think that Sometimes, again, it kind of goes back to the intent versus impact, like trying to learn, but also creating space to just move a little slower. I think that's something I've learned from that experience, like take it a little slower and really be more intentional and mindful about your words, because we all messed up. And I think that we're all a work in progress. And it's probably I mean, it's probably going to happen. It will happen to someone in the future. But I think it's all about How do we respond after we make a mistake, right? After we misgender someone, how do we respond? How do we interact with that person moving forward? Like, do we take responsibility or do we place blame or make it appear as though it was minute, right? When that's something that's so crucial to someone's identity. And so I think it's just something we have to be mindful about.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So yes, that was another part that I noticed that um, raised, you know, some flags for me. You know, when someone has they, them pronouns, I understand that for a lot of people, they're not used to using they, them in a singular form, although they, them has been using a singular form for generations. It's just not part of our current rhetoric. And so I I, I understand that for some people, it is difficult to kind of stay in that, right? Because you did good at first, you were like, their pronouns are they,
1: and then Mm -hmm. you were
2: switching back to she. And so, you know, easy way to do that is just like, stick with they. They said this, and I assume that they were female. So I thought I was supposed to use she, her pronouns, but actually I was supposed to use they, right? So like, that's an example of how to continue to use they for someone who is, who who has they, them pronouns. Another thing on that same line, you said, uh, it was something like, you know, you will look at them and you would, you would say that they were born female. So you would think that you're supposed to call them she, her, but instead their pronouns were they, them. And the one thing I wanted to kind of challenge you on is like, how do you know that they were born female? You know, I think that we often assume that people are born with certain biology or certain physical characteristics, but we actually don't know for sure.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, that's I literally I agree with you. I think that's a really good point. Sometimes, some you may look at someone and and assume that they were born a certain way, and so, and just to kind of go back to what I said in the last episode, that was that was like a brand. That was literally the first time that it ever happened, and so in my mind, I was like, oh, this is this is what this is. But I think moving forward. That'll it, that, I think this experience in general, just having the conversation and also interacting with that student in the way that I did, I think that really taught me like, oh, wow, when you interact with folks, you really have to kind of wait for them to lead the way and let you know how they're showing up and how they want to be addressed. And there was something else I wanted to say in regards to that. I can't remember. Um,
1: One thing I will say that I remember from the episode, Janina, you pointed out early on, you said that one of the practices that you've adopted is referring to everyone as they, them. And I think that that's actually a pretty good practice that all of us should take into consideration and work towards using so that that would lessen the opportunity or the times in which we may misgender someone.
2: Right. Absolutely. That helps a lot. And and like Terry said, we are, people are going to make mistakes, especially if it's new. Terry said, this is the first time that they've ever met someone with they, them pronouns. The way that people combat this or kind of can deal with this in the moment. So say you misgender someone and you catch it on your own right in that moment don't make a super big deal about it. Don't make it about you. Don't play flame on anyone. Just say, I apologize. I just realized that I misgendered you. I will not do that again. And keep it pushing. Most people who have they, them pronouns, most people who are very clear about their pronouns and they know what their pronouns are, whether they're he, him, or she, her, if someone misgenders them and they make a big deal and, and the person makes a big deal out of it, that's actually more damaging than if the person just holds themselves accountable and does better. That makes, that makes
0: sense. You don't want someone to kind of, magnify this mistake that they've made kind of like okay it's over and done with like just do better next time the other thing I was going to say is I know for me one thing that helps as I'm learning is also just referring to someone as their name because that way I can just I can refer to the person and the way that they want to be referred to but also try to limit any mistakes so that it's not an awkward situation especially if I'm addressing someone in front of a group like I never want to make anyone feel you know embarrassed or you know Awkward. Awkward, awkward. exactly.
2: Absolutely. I mean, people's names should always be the first go-to, right? And I think that we're so used to doing shorthand and saying she, him, they, that we forget we literally can just call people by their names. Mm -hmm. And it would alleviate all the misgendering issues.
1: That's a very, very, very valid point. And so we're going to move on to the next mistake that
0: Terry said that she noticed. Yeah, so I actually think that I combined two together. So there was one, they're like a minute apart. So the first one is more about what we talked about around the LGBT identity uh, being geared toward the Black community, specifically the Black men and boys. That was the first one. The second one was about um, sort of the same thing, like representation as far as the two characters. So there was the cartoon with the two, the only Black character in the show that had the two dads. And and that example, I think that goes back to the intent versus impact. What I was saying there is that it feels as though, or it seems as though, sometimes when we are represented, I feel like Janina touched on this as well. When we are represented, it seems like we're only represented in a certain light, and I think it's like a bigger issue or or just a bigger thing that I notice around Black men being presented in a certain way. So I know that we have in the past we've had issues, and even now, right, we have issues with masculine toxic, toxic masculinity right masculinity we have issues with that and it seems as though sometimes in my experience black men are not accepted unless they're they show up in a certain way so unless they're either uh gentle or more feminine or things like that and so for that that example that was kind of something that stood out to me
2: Yeah, I mean, we know the media is trash, so we're just going to really put it out there. The media doesn't love Black people in general, so it doesn't matter if they're gay or straight, trans or cisgender. The media does not like Black people, and they do not ever represent us properly. I mean, I really think that the only show that has most accurately reflected Black and Brown Queer People has been posed. And that's a new show that literally just came out in 2018. Anything prior to that, most queer characters are not represented in a positive light. They're not represented properly. They're very unidimensional. And they're usually very stereotypical. The same thing for cisgender and heterosexual Black people as well. The media does not do right by us in their character profiles, except like, you know, The media really just polarizes black men specifically. Either they have to be hyper-masculine or they have to be super feminine. And it's like, are y'all crazy? Most black men do not sit at either end of that. Most black Mm -hmm. men find their kind of space somewhere in the middle. And this gets back to the point of the last episode, deconstructing the binary, right? Like this whole idea that black men have to fit into a very particular character profile is limiting. I will say I think that now actually there's way more positive black male representation on TV. If we even just look at Randall from This Is Us, although we can talk have a whole episode about White Savior Complex with his parents mm-hmm. and he got to where he got to be. Um but there's also a character on this show called New Amsterdam, this black cardiothoracic surgeon who's the bomb. Right? Like there's there are like more diverse black characters that we're starting to see on primetime TV. But again like I said, the media doesn't care about Black people. So they they still have yet to do any of us right, regardless of gender, regardless, regardless of sexual orientation.
0: Amen to that.
1: Yeah. I, I, <laughs> yep. No arguments from me on that. Um, and mm-hmm. so, so Terry, you kind of presented the things that you noticed. Janina, is there anything else that you noticed that you wanted us to address?
2: Yeah, I think there were a couple things. Also, the one thing that Another thing that I noticed that was said kind of early on in that last 13 minutes was uh, there was a mention of a traditional family structure. And I just wanted to kind of challenge us on that because as black people, we've never had a quote unquote traditional family structure, right? So like white supremacy and heteronormativity and all of that would have us, and classism, all that would have us thinking that, a traditional family structure structure is a husband, a wife. What is it? 2.5 kids, a dog, and a white picket fence. When have black people ever had that? Not
0: mm-hmm. ever. Exactly. That's a good point.
2: So we don't even, we don't, we are, our, our conceptualization of traditional family structure is whatever works well for us. So sometimes that's one parent and it could be a single mother, it could be a single father. Sometimes it is a mother and a father. Sometimes it's a grandma. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's an auntie. Sometimes it's two moms. Sometimes it's two dads. Black people have never been confined to that limited quote unquote white traditional family structure. And so I just kind of wanted to remind people of that, that we've never had that luxury Because since slavery, we've been separated, right? We were not able to even stay together regardless of gender, sexual orientation, bloodline, family relations, nothing.
1: And even if we take it further than that, back to our ancestors in Africa, if we think about how we were raised in the village, where you had... One man who had multiple wives and oftentimes the the man would go off to war with other men and it would be the women all gathered raising the children and you would have multiple generations within one household. So you're right. We have never been the traditional husband, wife, 2.5
0: kids. We've always been our own random mix. For sure. And even today, I feel like even today, women are holding it down. A lot of women are holding it down for their households, whether or not they have like, whoever's in the house, whether it's, like, a grandmother, the mom, I mean, whatever. Women are definitely holding it down these days as well.
2: I mean, you know how we do. Exactly. Yes.
0: I, mean, I mean, you know, I mean, it's in our blood, so, you know. <laughs>
2: um, and then, I think there was one more. Oh, so there was kind of, like, this... <laughs> you two kind of debated a little back and forth or tried to find the right language, which I appreciate you both were trying to work it out. I think Terry was trying to say, like, LGBTQ conversations have not been happening on on like a national scale the way that they are now and so there was like this conversation of like lgbt hasn't been worldwide or uh i I don't know the words specifically Mm -hmm. but like that part of it i just wanted to remind us that like LGBTQ has been worldwide for generations. So Mm -hmm. we haven't been talking about it within like a, um, like like I think Dom tried to say like on a, within black communities, but it's been happening for centuries, right? So there have been trans people documented in history prior to colonization. There's so many notes on Native Americans who were trans. There's so, so many like profiles and written work of people in India who are Mm -hmm. trans. There's been so many letters between um, same sex relationships between women and women, men and men for I don't know how many years. Right. We can't even count how far back. And so. LGBTQ has always been here. It has always been worldwide. It's just that because of patriarchy, violence, anti-queerness, a lot of the conversations have been silenced. And specifically for Black people, because of religion, they've been explicitly silenced. And so I just kind of wanted to remind people that LGBTQ has always been around. It will always be here. Queer folks are not going anywhere. (laughs) Love us the way we still love on y'all.
0: Janina. that's a really good point. I remember. And again, I know for a lot of people, they're like, "This is all new for me, right?" And it seems like, "Oh, it's just, oh, it's 2019 or it's 2018. This, this is now like the new thing." And it's like, "No, it's it's been here, right?" And I remember talking to an older family member, and she was telling me about a situation—just some lovers from back when she was younger—and it was a same-sex relationship. And I'm just—and the thing about it is, those instances were either hidden or they were like secrets. It's like, "Oh, don't tell nobody that, you know, mommy's old friend that." used to always be around wasn't your auntie like that was really a girlfriend it's like those things were like there was a lot of shame around that and I'm sure it's because of patriarchy and the society that we lived in but even if everybody you know if you're listening to this and you go back in your family I'm sure that you'll also find that it's it's always been there right Yeah,
2: absolutely. I mean, Black people have had queer people in their families, again, prior to colonization, through colonization, post-colonization. And so, you know, that kind of leads me to my last point of, I think the last thing you said is like, we need to all come together to fight the real oppressor of white supremacy. Yes, I 100% agree with that. But I'm going to throw a yes and on that. And Black people have to fight against their own oppression. You know, we cannot really fight against white supremacy until we address the fact that our minds are full of white supremacy because of colonization. Mm -hmm. And if black people do not colonize their minds and kind of deconstruct the ways in which whiteness has really been ingrained into us in a variety of ways, like I said, religion is part of that. Toxic masculinity is part of that. Anti-femininity is part of that. Even, you know, misogyny is part of that and sexism is part of that. If black people do not kind of grapple with their own colonized thoughts and ways of thinking, There's no way we can actually all work together to fight against white supremacy because we're actually perpetuating it on a daily basis and we don't know that we are.
0: That's a really, really good point. It sounds like we have a lot of work to do at home before we can even really go out there and be a unified front to fight white supremacy. So that, yeah, that makes perfect sense.
2: I was just going to say, I think those were the only things that I noticed that we hadn't touched on. And so, you know, I'm always, I'm open to us to continue this conversation. If there's other things that have come up for you all as we've been talking.
1: I think that we're at a good point to kind of like kind of pause and kind of process this process that we just had. (laughs) Right. Because I think that we put ourselves in a, in a space to have a really open dialogue and, I want us to kind of like step back and kind of think about like what are the things that we pointed out. How? What did we do to make this conversation go well? So that our listeners out there, when they are ready to have these dialogues with someone in their in their lives, what can
0: they do to make sure that the conversation may go well? That's excellent. I would love to start this off just by saying when it was when Dom when you brought this to my attention. I think for me there was a lot of reflection and introspection. And I think sometimes when something's brought to our attention, we want to get defensive. We want to protect our ego. And so for me it's just been refle- it's just been reflection. Having conversations with people that are close to me that are either in the LGBT community or that are just black or just pe- you know, people that are white, I mean whatever, people that are in my network where I can process and I've I've been privy to new perspectives because of that. And so I think that's really key is just going within yourself and like Yo, put the ego aside, listen. Like, what is the feedback? Re-listening to the last 13 minutes of the episode and also listening with a different lens. So once you brought some things to my attention, I was like, oh, damn, I can see how that could be, you know, could come off this way. That makes sense. Okay. And processing that. So I think that's really key. And the other thing I'll add before, you know, just I'd love to hear your feedback as well is even letting Janina know. Janina and I don't know each other personally, but just letting her know like, hey, this is where I'm coming from energetically because you imagine how this could have worked if like we didn't have any you know prep and it was just like hey let's just go and it would have been like back and forth and like a very confrontational situation you never know if you don't know you know who you're dealing with and so I think just putting it on the table like hey this is where I'm coming from I want to learn I'm coming from a place of humility accountability and taking responsibility for my actions because I have a lot to learn and this is all still new and I want to learn I want to hear your perspective." And get more insight from someone who is an expert in this space with, you know, research and studies around this. And so I think and those, lived experience and lived experience. And those are I think those were two key points for me. And I think this is a beautiful experience. I'm really excited that we have a chance to, to have this conversation in her space.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like like you said, Terry, this could have gone so many different ways. I was actually nervous at the beginning. I wasn't sure if I wanted to bring it up to Dom because I, you know, the podcast got posted, I listened to it and I had no clue that you all were going to continue the conversation after I got off the phone. So when I listened and I got off the phone on the podcast and I was like, what could they still be talking about for 13 minutes? <laughs> like, There's still 13 minutes left on the podcast. And so I listened and I was like, Oh man. And so I was like, ooh, do I text Dom? Do I not text Dom? Because like you said, Terry, we don't know each other. We've literally never even met in person. I know. Right. And so, um, I just let Dom know, you know, that I had some reservations and that y'all were gonna probably get some pushback from people about, you know, what was said, but I'm happy that I did and I'm glad that it was able to open up this conversation. And I agree with you. I think the best way to have a conversation when you do need to have a difficult dialogue with someone is that you do come calmly that you leave your ego outside although we shouldn't walk with our ego anyway, but we know that we do To mm-hmm. so leave that outside and that the defensiveness is generally what ruins almost every conversation you know when we shut down when we just say oh well you know this is just what I believe you know yeah go off of what we believe because what we believe is not necessarily rooted in facts. and oftentimes white people want to say oh well that's just how I was taught that's just what I what I know and it's just yeah well what you were taught isn't really accurate either and so you until you can unlearn you know Lauren Hill told us best the miseducation of Lauren Hill we have to unlearn everything that we've been miseducated about and so when we do that he with humility and without defensiveness, you really can't go wrong. It's just a matter of the other person going to also come with that same energy. You know, both people have to be willing to come from that perspective.
0: Amen to that. And Janina, again, I just want to thank you for having the courage to text Dom because I was thinking to myself, like, imagine, I was like, I wonder if I would have been on a podcast and something, someone said something like after there was like an after show that I wasn't aware of. And I heard something and it was like, what do you do, right? Because you could have been like, yo, we're going to boycott her space, cancel her space, like, uh uh-uh, we're not doing it anymore. And we would have been thinking that what we said was fine and could have potentially perpetuated that in the future. But I mean, this has just been such a really cool and humbling experience and definitely not super comfortable, right? Like, this is not like, oh yeah, I can just do this every Tuesday, you know, it's like, or every Friday or whatever. It's like, no, this is is a, a growth, a point of growth. And sometimes growth is not, comfortable it's a it can be a little painful right it can it's like you're stretching yourself, but it's so good, and I think this is so valuable for our community
1: and I will kind of jump in and offer my perspective a little bit too, because I was technically the person literally the person in the middle, right <laughs> and I could imagine that you know for other people like for myself, being the person in the middle is a little awkward, right because okay, so Janina hit me up and I'm reading this, and I'm like. Oh, shit! okay, all right well, this does needs this needs to be addressed, okay, so I have to take a moment and figure out, okay, well exactly how am I going to address this right, and because I'm the one the common link, so I know both people and trying to figure out, okay, well, how are we going to do this, and making sure because I know both of you and I know that neither of you come from places of ill intention, right? And I know that both of you have a way of communicating with people, particularly if there's a conflict that I felt comfortable saying, okay, yes, let's have this let's let's have a dialogue between all of us and not just keep it with I'm passing messages back and forth. And so I think for other people it's you you know when they find themselves in the middle to really like take that initiative and say okay wait let me figure out how to bridge this gap how to bring both parties together to really have this dialogue because I could have said you know what Janina's given me this information I could have kept it to myself right Or I could have taken the information, brought it to you, Terry, and said, well, here's what it is. Here's what Janina said. Well, we're going to keep it moving. You know, that was great that she provided feedback for us, but we're going to keep going. And I could have chosen not to suggest that we address it. And so I think for each person involved, it took a level of courage it took
0: love and it took willingness to really want to do the work absolutely that is you said that so beautifully dom and i think the last thing i just want to say around this is um sometimes it really requires us to take off our lens and put on someone else's lens like put all the shit you know aside because we've learned so much bullshit like there's so but we have to do an episode about that like we've learned so much stuff we've been programmed in so many ways And some of the shit we've learned, like the old school remedies and superstitions, a lot of that shit is not true. And it's like if you hold on to that for dear life and you're not open to anything else, you won't be able to grow and evolve. Right. And you'll be left behind because things will be progressing and growing without you. And so I think sometimes we really have to take off our lens, put that shit over there, put on someone else's and really see life and experience through their lens. Right. So that you can truly see it and not sort of hold on to what you have. And what you brought to the table.
2: Right. But that's so hard for so many people, especially older black people. Mm-hmm. I mean, and some young ones too. I'm not going to lie. Some young <laughs> folks are real, um, real stuck in their problematic ways. The, the And that's always the hard part is like, how do we get those people? Right. Because we always talk about, oh, well, you're preaching to the choir. We end up having these good, fruitful conversations with people who are willing to do the work. The problem is how do we get to the people who are not willing to do the work? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's no. how, and, and this is what I mentioned in the episode, is, like, we have to hold each other accountable. People have to be willing to kind of lean into that discomfort and call people out. And that's something I kind of mentioned to Dom, too, is, you know, I pointed out to her, or she noticed herself. I can't remember which Dom. You could correct me if I'm wrong and edit this out. But um, <laughs> you know, how there were moments, there were moments when Dom could have also let Terry know in the moment during the original recording that maybe something wasn't right or that they, that you all could have addressed it in that moment. Right. Mm. And that could have also been super powerful because that was one thing that I talked about on the original episode is that, you know, we have to hold each other accountable. And when we notice that someone is using language that's not productive to the well being of black LGBTQ people we got to call them out and we have to let them know.
1: Right. Right. And I think, yeah, I w- it was me because I said, I was re-listening to the episode and I said, Oh, I see where I could have said, let's, let's, let's pause and let's address this. Wait, or said, wait, Terry, wait, let me clarify. Like what what's really going on here? Like, what are you really trying to communicate here?
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And it's important for us, you know, to do it in those moments, but then also too, you know, like we said, we're all a work in progress. And yeah. so, you know, Dom, I don't know what your experience has been like having to challenge people on LGBTQ stuff, you know? And so like maybe for you in that moment you might not have peeped it or you're like, mm, maybe I'll talk to her later, or maybe you didn't notice it at all. But like like what they're saying, the whole point is like we noticed it, we acknowledged it, we are now communicating about it. And now you all can do better and now your listeners can do better as well.
1: Yes, and so Again, thank you so much, Janina, for being willing to come on again and help us dive into this, this much-needed
0: follow-up conversation. Thank you, Janina. I guess we said you were going to be on again. We didn't expect it to be this soon, but here we go. <laughs> so we appreciate I you.
2: This song. This is, no, sorry, this soon. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining
1: us today in Her Space. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health, but it is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider.
0: If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Herspace Podcast or check out our website at HerspacePodcast.com. And before we meet again, repeat after me I release what no longer serves me to manifest what I desire.
1: Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week, lady.